Do you remember the first big roller coaster that you ever rode? Anytime that you go to a place like a, a theme park um, multiple times, there becomes a familiarity with it. And somehow the individual trips or the individual rides kind of get muddied together. And we really only remember the significant moments and not the individual rides. That's why it's easy for us to remember the very first time that we rode a big roller coaster. Well, I was a preteen, and somehow I finagled my way on the youth group trip. I'm sure I begged and pleaded and borrowed and stole until they finally just let me go uh, on the Six Flags trip with our church youth group. Everybody was older than me, so I only really remember hanging out with the youth pastor that day, Irby McKnight. And so there was a one point that he and some of the older kids convinced me that I needed to ride this brand new ride. This ride that had never, uh, they had never ridden before and I'd never ridden. It was called the Texas Cliffhanger. How many of you ever, have ever ridden that? It might have been called the Wildcatter when you, when you were there. But uh, yeah, so I mean, brand new. I was just, a, like I said, a preteen. And riders, smell, uh, they, they sat in what they would call these small gondolas that were lifted up by this elevator mechanism to 128 feet to the top of the tower's structure. Then it moved forward. And then it, it just kind of hung there in suspense for just a minute out on the outside track. And once it was properly positioned, they released it for a free fall that dropped you 10 stories straight down the tower. Near the bottom, the track just kind of gradually curved, and you ended up flat on your back going down the, the track. In fact, Six Flags, this was their press release about it. They said the sensation is the same as that you would feel as if you would step off the roof of a 10-story building and fall straight down. Now, I, I can speak with accuracy because somehow my body remained attached to the gondola unit, but my stomach is still suspended 128 feet above Arlington, Texas. Rusty stomach over Texas, okay? That's what happened that day. You know, grief is a lot like that. One minute you're on top of the world, you're looking at the beautiful skyline of the Metroplex, and the next minute you're lying flat on your back wondering what happened. H. Norman Wright powerfully states this. He says, in grief, the bottom falls out of your world. The solid footing you had yesterday, well, it's gone. It feels more like floorboard tilting or soft pliable mud with each step you take. The stability of yesterday's emotions has given way to feelings that, you're, that are so raw and fragile that you think you're losing your mind. You know, grief is expressed through a wide variety of emotions. A few years ago, there was a, a series of t-shirts that were kind of popular that showed the different expressions or moods or emotions of different characters. You had, you know, had Donald Duck. Yeah, I mean, he's amused, he's smitten, he's stressed, he's confident, he's cheerful, he's chill, he's surprised, he's grouchy, and then my last one, he's over it. Like, he's, he's just over it. Then how many love Garfield the cat? You love Garfield the cat? I love Garfield the cat. He was, he was like, you know, I loved reading his books when I was a kid. And, um, and the, he has different ones, mischievous, comical, amused, determined. Like some of you this morning, he's mildly hungry, uh, he's tough, he's happy, he's sleepy, 
He's alluring. Here's some of you after you had your donuts and coffee when you came in this morning. You're still hungry. And uh, he's excited. He's bored. He's satisfied. He's sneaky. Then, then there, there was one on the Marvel characters. And so you had different Marvel characters. Of course, the Hulk, he's what? He's already, he's always angry. Uh, you had Spider-Man. I don't know if we can tell he's happy or not, but he's happy. Uh, Black Widow, stealthy, Thor, confident, Black Panther, courageous, Iron Man, charismatic, and the list goes on there. What about this one? How many know the seven dwarfs, right? I think there's some seven dwarf in all of us because some days we're grumpy. Thank, thankful for my family not amening on that. Some days we're grumpy. Some days we're sneezy. Some days we're dopey. Some days we're doc. Some days we're bashful. Some days we're happy, and some days we're sleepy, all right? I love this one of Homer Simpson. There's really no uh, taglines to it, but you, you see the wide variety of emotions that Homer Simpson has. And then th this is my personal favorite right here. My personal favorite, the many expressions of Darth Vader. <laughs> all right? All the same expression. You know, grief, it's personified many different ways, many different emotions. And today we're going to look at what I'm referring to as the faces of grief. Now, this, this list is not exhaustive, meaning that it, it's not complete. It, it goes on. I'm just going to hit on like five main things that people deal with uh, in grief. It's just a good start, start. The other thing is it's not linear. You know, sometimes when we, when we hear the, the idea of stages or faces of grief, that we think that it, it just is in a linear process and then you go from one to another. In fact, you've heard the, about the stages of grief before. Uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross in her 1969 book on death and dying uh, debuted the five stages of grief that we commonly call and their denial and isolation, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And, 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 and so, you know, just like those, you don't go through them in a systematic format. The emotions or the expressions or the moods or what I'm calling the faces of grief well, we don't go through them in a systematic process. It's not linear. It's very abstract, meaning that we could go through one today and go through another tomorrow and circle back to the, the one we went through yesterday, today. I mean, it's just we may or may not experience them all. There's no order to them. There's no rhyme. There's no reason. We may go through one face of grief today and think we've conquered it, only to be back in that same face of grief 30 minutes later. One minute, we're on top of the world. The next minute... We're lying on our back. The faces of grief. The first face of grief today that I want to tell you about is guilt. It's guilt. It may be called remorse. It may be called regret. Uh, whatever you want to call it, but it's this guilty feeling that people have. There are people who feel guilty. You know why? Because they didn't spend enough time with the person before they passed. So they feel guilty about it. There are those that feel guilty because they were supposed to even be with the person when the person passed, and instead they let life just happen, and they missed out on an opportunity, and, and, and they just feel guilty about that. There are families that have to make the tough decision to pull the plug, and they have to live with that decision that they made day after day, a decision that many times causes them guilt. There are some that maybe the last very form of communication they had with a person was an argument. 
And so they argued with the person, and, and, and so they're guilty about the things that they said before the person passed. Some people, they're guilty because they have a sense of relief that, that it's over because they've spent hours and days caring for the person and they've watched them suffer. And so there's a little bit of a sense of relief and they feel guilty because really they wanted what was best for that person to go and spend eternity in, in heaven, but they feel guilty that that was what their emotions and feelings were. There are many other reasons as to why a, a person feels guilty. You know, throughout Scripture, we see people who have lost someone that they loved or lost someone who they were close to. And when you think of, when you think of the disciple Judas, you don't think of something, someone who may have, have grieved. But if you study the Scripture and you look at it, you understand that Judas was filled with remorse. He was filled with guilt. He was filled with, with this regret in his life. He didn't expect his actions to end up in Jesus' death. But choices and decisions have consequences. Judas' decision led to Jesus' death, his crucifixion. And we see in Matthew chapter 27, verse 3, it says, When Judas, who had betrayed him, realized that Jesus had been condemned to die, he was filled with remorse. So he took the 30 pieces of silver back to the leading priest and the elders. Kenneth Hawk writes this. He said, if you're feeling guilty or you're feeling remorseful over something that you did or didn't do or say, that's okay. That it's common for a grieving person to feel that way, but try not to be too hard on yourself. Forgive yourself. Give yourself the benefit of the doubt. The second thing, so the first one's guilt. The second face of grief is apathy. Apathy. You know, three days after my dad's memorial service, uh, I was meeting with a, uh, I had on my calendar a, a meeting with some pastor friends of mine. And, and to be honest with you, I didn't feel like meeting with a lot of people, but I, I kept that meeting because there was one guy that was in our group that we were going to be talking with whose, whose mom had passed away about four or five months before my dad. So he was, he was still walking through the grieving process, but he was way far ahead of where I was at. And, and I just wanted to hear from him. I wanted to, I wanted to ask him questions. I wanted to hear how he made it through. And so I kept that meeting. And one of the things that he said to me that morning as he, as he talked about, um, his mother's passing and he talked about the grief that he and his family experienced he talked to me about the fog. He said, Rusty, it was like the first seven to eight weeks, I was just in this fog. I woke up, I, 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 it's just like my mind was cloudy, I was in a funk, I, I, you know, whatever you want to put it in there. He said, I was just in this fog. You know, it's hard to get motivated when you're grieving. When you do find motivation, one phone call, one text, one post, on social media can send you down a rabbit trail of grief that completely annihilates your ability to focus. Sometimes you feel like you're just going through the motions of your day. Sometimes you feel like you're functioning at 50%. Sometimes you feel like you're forgetful, that you're confused, that you're disoriented. Sometimes you feel like you're having some sort of out-of-body experience where like you're there, but your mind's not. When the prophet Nathan confronted David, 
about his sin with Bathsheba, he let him know that there was going to be a consequence, and the consequence was that the child would die. And David began grieving. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 16, it says, David begged God to spare the child. He went without food and lay all night on the bare ground. The elders of his household pleaded with him to get up and eat with them, but he refused. And David was grieving. He didn't want to eat. He just laid on the ground. He didn't interact with people. He didn't, he didn't get up and work. He didn't get up and do what he was supposed to do as a king. He just laid there. My friend told me, he said, Rusty, it was about seven or eight weeks after my mom's passing when I just woke up one morning and he said it was like, and this was his words, it was like the fog had just lifted. Give yourself some grace in those moments as you're walking around, as you're going through the grieving process. The third phase of grief is what I'm referring to as anger. Anger. This is one of, if you look at the stages of grief, this is one of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's stages of grief, but grief, anger is really an emotion. And why do people get mad? Well, they get mad at, at the person for not taking care of themselves. Like, I wish they would just taken care of themselves. If they would have gone and saw the doctor, if they would have done, how many have said something like, if they would have just done what I told them to do, then that we wouldn't be in this situation. Some people are just mad at the general situation. Like, they're not mad at the person. They're not mad at, at the doctors. They're not mad at anything. They're just mad at the situation. They, they don't want to be in that. Some people are even mad at God. They're upset with God. God, why did you do this to me? Why did you take my loved one away? God, why? And they're mad at God because of, of, of the choice they perceive that God made because they believe the scripture that it's appointed unto man to die. They understand that that was that person's time. And God, why did you make that their time? Some can pinpoint what they're mad at and some can't. They're just mad. They're just angry. They walk around in frustration. Last week we showed you that Jesus uh, showed emotion when he grieved. And one of the times and one of the ways that he showed emotion was anger. In John 11 verse 33 it says, When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. Jesus was grieving. Full, being fully man, he was grieving the loss of his friend, Lazarus. He's sitting there with all the mourners, and he's, he's angry, he's upset, he's in tears. He's going through the process just like many of us would go through the process. But being fully God, he was grieving the state of humanity, and he was grieving the fact that we know that sin leads to death, and the reason that we have to die is because sin entered the world, and he was grieving that. And he's frustrated and he's angry about it. You know, a friend wrote me this week and he, after hearing the message last week, and he said that one of the scariest things for him as he was going through the grieving process was anger. Next week we're going to talk about how to get help. How do, how do we get help when we're grieving? But we have to understand and we have to recognize some of the faces of grief so that we can get the help that we have to understand we're walking in guilt or that we're walking in anger and we have to be able to get the help that we need. 
One of the dangers of not getting help with anger is that anger so many times turns into bitterness. Then we walk around and we're bitter. We're mad at God. We're mad at the person. We're bitter because of the things that have happened. We're bitter because of how our relatives are handling this process and this grieving process. And there's so many emotions that are attached to this loss. It's crucial that we get the help we need so that we don't repeat the cycle. Number four, are you with me? Say amen. Amen. Sadness. It's a profound sadness. Depending on the loss that you have, you, it may just be just a small, like if you're looking at this emoji, it might just be one tear, not a stream of tears. If it's a job that you loved, you might have a few tears, but you may move on when a better opportunity comes on. But if it's a loss of something that's significant in your life, like a child or a parent or family member or a friend that's close to you, there may be an extended, profound sadness. It's usually manifested in tears. In fact, if we go back to the story of Lazarus from last week in John eleven thirty five, 35, it says, Jesus wept. Even Jesus cried in those moments. You know, sometimes it's, we say it's, you know, we, we don't need to cry. We don't need to, you know, don't, don't cry. You know, there was one funeral I read about where they put in the hallway that this is a cry-free zone. Like they didn't want people crying over the lost relative. I'm going to tell you as your pastor that if I ever see a sign like that, I'm tearing it up. I don't care who put it up because that's not right. Give yourself space to grieve. Give yourself space to cry. One of the, one of the things that I did at my, at my dad's service was, I, 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 Norval, I know I didn't ask you this, but I took, a, I took a page out of your playbook. I wore sunglasses because I knew I was going to be crying. And so I put the sunglasses on and, I, I, and just allowed because I knew my eyes were going to be puffy. And one, they were my dad's glasses. And I wore his glasses in his honor. But I knew I was going to be crying and guess what? It's okay. Jesus wept. Why can't we? What, 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 do we? what have we gained in the United States of America in East Texas saying that men can't cry? That's a bunch of junk. We need, we need to understand that God has given us that for a reason. I love what Max Lucado said. Here's how he described our tears. He says, tears, those tiny drops of humanity, those round, wet balls of fluid that tumble from our eyes, creep down our cheeks, and splash on the floor of our hearts. They were there that day. They are always present at such times. They should be. That's their job. They are miniature messengers on call 24 hours a day to substitute for crippled words. They drip, drop, and pour from the corners of our souls, carrying with them the deepest emotions we possess. They tumble down our faces with announcements that range from the most blissful joy to darkest despair. The principle is simple. When words are most empty, tears are most apt. You know, there's a scripture that I discovered in the summer of 1992. A friend handed me his his cassette tape, and he had written a song on it, and it was based on this scripture, and it drove me to go look at the scripture in Psalm 56, verse 8. And it says this, you keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. 
See, God knows the pain that we're going to experience. He knows the sorrow that we're going to experience. He's a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And so as you weep for the loss of your loved one, your dream, your relationship, your job, the end of a season of your life, God is right there, and he is collecting those tears. He's collecting those tears in a bottle in heaven. There's a bottle in heaven that is filled with your tears. Psalm 34, 18 says the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. In those moments when we're most broken, God is most close in that time. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. So we got to be careful that we don't move past the emotion and we don't try to not cry and we don't try to not shed the tears. But the flip side of that is we've got to make sure that our sadness doesn't turn into extended bouts of depression. That doesn't turn into extended bouts of self-pity. And the fifth one is this. Love. See, they're not all bad. They're not all anger and guilt and sadness. They're not all apathy. There's love. There's a line of dialogue in the Disney Plus show WandaVision where there's a flashback scene, the comic book hero Vision. He's comforting Wanda Maximoff, who's grieving the loss of her brother. He makes a statement. He says, what is grief if not love persevering? The reason we grieve is because we love. You don't, grieve a, a, you don't grieve over a job you hated. You don't grieve over a job you hated. What are you doing? You're singing, take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. Okay, let's not cut that like, and, and put that on social, that, that part and put that on social media this week because that could totally be, be like mis, misconstrued, okay? Like... Like it's grief. I'm telling you, every time I've left a place, I've, I've, I've cried tears because of the people that I wasn't going to be interacting with anymore. I've grieved the loss. When you, when you love something, you grieve. The reason we grieve is because we love. We love the dream. We love the job. We loved our parents. We love our spouse. We loved our children. We loved our grandparents, our, our friends, our, our family member, our, our boss, whatever it is. We love the season of life that we were in. And, and I mean, why, why are parents on, on, on kindergarten day, on the first day of kindergarten, why are they crying? They're crying because it's the end of a season. It's the end of a season. The kids now going to, to school. I mean, some of these moms, especially if you're a stay-at-home mom, you should be celebrating because now you get to watch, uh, you know, Oprah and eat bonbons all day, you know? Because that's what we all understand stay-at-home moms do all day, right? They're, okay, I'm just, chid- I'm just kidding. I was seeing if y'all were awake, all right? Just, just cut me some slack here. But we love the season of life we're in. We love the home that we lived in. We loved our neighbors. We loved our job. Do you remember the crowd's response to Jesus' grief? When he cried and he wept, and John eleven thirty six, 36, it says, The people who were standing nearby him said, See how much he loved him. See how much 
He loved him. They, they, they recognized, they recognized the reason that Jesus was grieving was because he loved Lazarus. He loved him. His intense love for his friend is why he wept in that moment. His intense love for mankind is why he was grieving in the garden, why it was like he was sweating drops of blood. He was in such intense grief. In Lamentations, uh, Solomon is writing about his own season of grief that he was in. In Lamentations 3, verse 20 through 24, it says, I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies, they begin afresh each morning. He says, I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. You know, we can dare to hope knowing that our God's love is unconditional. It's endless. His faithful love never ends. It's fresh. It's renewable. His mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. You know, we can find hope in our grief. Why? Because he loves us. Because of the love of God. We can still dare to hope because of his faithful love. We can breathe again. You know why? Because his mercies are new every morning. You know, when you feel like you wake up in a fog in the morning, you got to remember that God's mercies are fresh that day. When you wake up in the day and you're like, God, I don't know if I can grieve one more day. I don't know if I can shed one more tear. I don't know if I can get through this moment. I don't know if I can get through their birthday. I don't know if I can get through this anniversary. I don't know what if I can get through it. God, just remember that his mercy is new today. His mercy is new. His love for you has not ended. His love for you is still there. Just remember that he is your inheritance and you can hope in him. You can find hope in your moment of grief because he is. He is. He is. He is. He's still on the throne. He has not forgotten you. He's close to you. He's close to the brokenhearted. So that's why that's why we can walk, wake up and breathe again. That's why we can remember. That's why we can find hope in this season when we feel like we've lost it all. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth thine own Dear presence to cheer and to guide Strength for today And bright hope for tomorrow Blessings all mine With ten thousand besides Sing it with me Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning, new mercies I see, all I have. 
thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Stand and sing it with us again. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Come on right now, would you just thank him that he's still faithful? He's faithful in our valleys. He's faithful from the mountaintops. God, we thank you, Lord, that even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we shall fear no evil, because your rod and staff comfort us. You prepare a place for us in the presence of our enemies. Goodness and mercy follow us all the days of our life, and we're going to dwell in your house forever. God, we thank you for your faithfulness this morning. It's new every morning, God. Thank you, Jesus. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed today, you need to understand something, friend. You don't. You can walk through the grieving process. You can walk through life. You can walk through the highs, and you can do it alone. But you were not made to do it alone. You were made to walk with your Creator. John three sixteen says, "God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever." believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life if you commit your life to Jesus Christ if you believe in him you'll spend eternity in heaven that's why we can grieve with hope over the lost ones uh, that have gone on to be with Jesus because those of us who are believers we're going to spend eternity with them together in heaven We, we, we can understand what's coming but all of us have messed up and sinned and sin separates us from God but the scripture tells us if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead you'll be saved in a moment I'm going to count to three and if you're online today would you respond in the comments or respond by sending an email to prayer at hopefamily.tv if you're in the room this morning I'm going to ask you to raise your hand we're all going to pray a prayer together those that are here in the room and those that are online today we're going to pray this prayer together but if you would say pastor that's me I need to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior I want to walk with him I want I want him to be my guide I want him to be my Lord and I want him to be my Savior and I want to spend eternity with him in heaven if that's you when I say three today would you slip up your hand one two three yes yes anybody else today that you would say that's me I want to accept him as my Lord and Savior. Then I'm going to ask everybody in this room, those that raised their hand and those that are online, those that didn't raise their hand because you're already saved, and those that maybe you weren't prepared to raise your hand just a moment ago, but the Lord's just touching our heart right now and saying, today's your day of salvation. Would you repeat this prayer after me? Would you say, dear Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died, rose again. And Lord of all, thank you for saving me. 
Thank you for setting me free. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, can we give the Lord praise today? New life in Christ. We're going to celebrate that this morning. Our worship team's coming. They're going to lead us in a song today called Believe For It. And I'm going to ask you to give God your best and, and worship today because we've got two people that we are going to be baptizing in water this morning. And so they're getting, going to go ahead and get ready, and I'm going to get ready. And then in just a few minutes, we're going to celebrate water baptism together. So if you're watching with us online, don't go away. We want you to be a part of this uh, process as well. But would you just worship God together? together today with Tisha and the team as they lead us in worship.
giving thanks and praise right now. Thank you, Lord. God, we worship you. You may be seated for just a moment today. The scripture teaches us to repent and be baptized. Baptism, water baptism, is a public profession of your faith. It's where you're saying... I'm going to follow Jesus the rest of my life, symbolizing that the old man is dying and the new man is coming. Scripture teaches us if we're in Christ, we are new creations. The old is gone, the new has come. And this morning we're baptizing a husband and wife, Billy and Tabitha Harris, uh, today. And so we're excited. Billy's here, right here. Billy, come on, and you can turn around this morning. I just want to say today, uh, I guess it was about six weeks ago, um, he caught me after service and, he, and we had a conversation that day and I could tell that God was doing something in his heart, in his life, that moment. And the next Sunday, they had to be out of town. They went to a church that, that day and he, uh, he gave his life to Jesus Christ. Come on, give God praise for that. So he said to me, I want to be baptized in water, Pastor, and uh, it's my honor today to be able to baptize Billy. He's a uh, son-in-law of Joe Morris and, and uh, the husband of Tabitha, and they've got just a great family, and we're excited that God has brought them here to worship with us at Hope. Billy, God's doing some amazing things in your life, my friend. I can see it all over you that God's got his hand upon your life. It took you a little bit to get here, but guess what? You're here, and welcome to the family, my friend. God's got great things in store for your life. Church, I, I, I'm going to do it a little different this morning. Stretch out your hand today. We're going to pray over him. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are moving in lives and hearts today. And we thank you, Lord, that you've drawn Billy uh, to you, God, that, that now, Lord, he's come close to you. And, God, I know you're going to come close to him. And I pray this morning, Lord, that as he 
publicly professes his faith, God, that this would be the start of a beautiful relationship with you, a relationship of growth, of transformation. Uh, If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And Lord, we just thank you for what you've done in his life today. And God, we give you praise and thanks. Now, Billy, upon the profession of your faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Come on, give him praise, church. Oh, man, that's awesome. Oh. Can I tell you what he told me before service? And he's a big Green Bay Packers fan. He said, Pastor, no longer, no, no matter how long you hold me under that water, I'm still not going to say Des caught it. <laughs> You guys know Tabitha. She's a, you. Yeah, turn this, turn this way. Uh, you guys know Tabitha, and what a precious heart she has. And, and uh, again, talking to him a few weeks ago, I could just see that the Lord was stirring her heart, doing a new thing in her. And uh, she said, Pastor, I want to be baptized as well today. And so would you stretch out your hand? Let's pray over her today. Father, we thank you for new life, a rededication and recommitment. God, I've seen it once and I, I, I'll see it again, God, where you've taken somebody and used them as a catalyst to just reach their entire family for Jesus Christ. And I, I just pray that that anointing would be on Tabitha, that her and Billy's zeal, God, would not only just reach their children, God, and their grand and their future grandchildren, that they're going to have many years from now, but God, that it would reach their nephews and their nieces and their siblings and, and, and their cousins and their aunts and their uncles and their extended family, their co-workers, their friends. God, that you would use them to reach people, to be soul winners. And God, I thank you for what you're going to do in Tabitha's life and God, using her, God, as a mother to her children, as a, as a wife to Billy. And God, I thank you, Lord, for your hand of blessing upon their life in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Tabitha, upon the profession of your faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Come on, give me praise. (laughs) Such a beautiful moment. You can go back out that direction. Come on, would you stand with us one more time? Let's sing this song. Listen, church, we're believing for the impossible. We're believing for the supernatural, for the miraculous. We're believing for God to do a new thing. We're believing where baptism is going to be a normal uh, part of our service because so many people's lives are getting changed and they're getting filled with the Holy Spirit. Come on, do you believe that? Come on, sing this song with Tisha one more time this morning as, as a benediction to this service today that we believe it for it. We believe for the impossible today. Oh, move the immovable. It is done. You said it. And I believe it. You said it. It is done. Come on, sing it. You said it. I believe it. You said it. It is it. You said it. 
we believe for it. Thank you, Jesus. Let me pray for you this morning, church. I just believe that God wants to do something in your heart and life today, in the life of your friends. So just as we said last week, we're going to do the same thing this week. We're going to share in the next 24 hours. We'll share a link to where when they click on that YouTube video, it'll go straight to the message. And when, when we share that, would you do me a favor? and Would you share it? Maybe you know some people that are grieving right now or they've lost someone they love in the last six months, year, year and a half, would you encourage them to watch this? And at the end of the series, we're gonna put them all together on, on one thing under a YouTube channel on, and eventually we'll have them on our Right Now Media as well, where we can actually, when you're going through this time and season, they can go directly to watch that. You can share it all with them at that time. But man, I just wanna help people. That's my heart's desire. I'm not trying to get YouTube famous or Facebook famous because I, my, the reality is not everybody's going to resonate with me. But I'm asking that the Lord would take what he's taught me in the last couple of years and use it for his glory. And I'm asking for your help to do that. So would you help us sharing that? Let me pray a prayer blessing over you today. Father, I thank you, Lord, for an opportunity to come and worship you one more time. I thank you for those that have gathered here in this room today. I pray, Lord, that you would bless them and keep them, that you would make your face shine down upon them and be gracious to them and give them peace. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen.